If you will, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Um, we're going to leave this up here, uh, at least through the month, maybe through the, uh, maybe through the summer, because sometimes I think we forget what Christianity is all about. It's summed up right here, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we have a beautiful visual reminder of that, and uh, I really appreciate all those who work so hard on that, and um, it'd be a shame to take it down after one week. Well, Mark chapter uh, 10, we're going to start in verse 32. We're going to break some things down. What we're going to do is we're going to walk through the passage, and then we're going to have some application. And I notice it says servanthood. Uh, Mark 36. Yo, by the way, that Mark 36, there's not a Mark 36. This is the 36th message, 36th message in Mark since we started. And uh, so that's kind of got um, transferred on. Let's start reading. The announcement on the road to Calvary, verse 32, and it says, And they were in the way, going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them, and they were amazed as they followed. They were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him, saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priest." And unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him, and shall scourge him, and shall spit upon him, and shall kill him. And the third day he shall rise again. Here's what's going on. They're on their way. They're on their way to Jerusalem. They have come out of Galilee. They've crossed the Jordan to the uh, eastern bank, and they're heading down. And they're going to come back across the Jordan, and they're going to go through Jericho. We're going to see a few things going on, but they're on their way to Jerusalem. And it's always up to Jerusalem. Anywhere you go in Israel to Jerusalem, you're going to go up to it because it sits up on a high area. It's one of the higher areas of Israel, and you're always going to go up to Jerusalem. And while they're on the way, Jesus is trying to teach these guys some more. He's trying to explain to them what's going to happen to him. Now, disciples, they don't get it, right? They're, uh, they're normal guys because this is the third time that Jesus has told them that he's going to die and that he's going to be rose again. Three times, you think in three times they get it. I, I think something that important, I, I hope I would have got it the first time. Jesus, you're going to die? You're going to rise again? And then the second time, I think I'd ask more questions. Now here we are at the third time, and he is explaining in depth the things that are going to happen to him. The things that are going to happen to him before he hits that cross. And the disciples are just not quite getting it. Well, a couple of disciples, a couple of brothers, they're going to ask Jesus a favor. Let's look at verse 35 to 37. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, 
what would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Granted us that we may sit one on thy right hand and one on the left hand in glory. Hey, Jesus, listen, um, I, can you do us a big favor? Can, can, can you honor this request? Can, can I sit, uh, or one of us sit on your right hand and one sit on the left hand in power? Like, we're going to be the really big shots. Then Matthew, the... <laughs> It, Matthew says that their mom comes along and does the asking with them. And, and tradition holds, and we, we look through, that, that James's John's mother was the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. So they're cousins. So they're actually that family connection there. Doesn't that make sense? Come on now, we're, we're related. Can you make us all powerful next to you? Isn't that how we work in this world? It's not. Listen, it's not uh, what you know, it's who you know. You know what, I was really shocked. I was really naive. I got saved. When I got saved, I, 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 and then when I finally decided I'm going to follow Jesus with all my heart and I'm going to come out of the world, that I thought things in the church world and in Christian, the Christian world worked better than the world world. I was shocked. It's worse. You know how I found one of the first places I found that out? I played softball on a Christian, on a church softball team. I never play on a church softball team again. Bunch of babies, griping, complaining. He cheated. I'll go, I'll go play with the lost people and they had to play better. They don't fuss. It's a game. I didn't realize that, that um, how you get ahead in the Christian world all depended on who you knew and what your connections were. I thought that the Christian world was different. But guess what? We've allowed it to become the same, as, same working as the rest of the world. It's who you know. It's how you, you, you manage your connections. I think that's kind of a, a shame. But Jesus answered them. He answers these guys, and he asks them, can you really handle what you're asking for? Look at verse 38 to 40. But Jesus said unto them, you know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, we can. And Jesus said unto them, you shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with, shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. <laughs> ah, these guys had no idea what they were asking for. They're saying, Jesus, look us on the right hand or on the left hand. We want to follow you. Jesus goes, hey, can, can you suffer the way I'm going to suffer? That's what he's asking. And, of course, they have no clue. They have no clue what that really means. They, they say, of course we can. Yes, we're willing to do that. And they did. James, well, He was martyred. He was killed. Herod did that to him. 
And John, John didn't die a martyr's death, but the tradition says that he was boiled in oil and he was exiled to an island. He suffered. I want you guys to know something. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we really are followers of Jesus, this is not an encouraging message. We're going to suffer. We're going to be persecuted with the same type of persecutions he is, he was, and is. We're going to suffer. I was talking to some people. This conversation keeps coming up, and I think one of the things that has not been passed on from generation to generation real well, at least in these last few generations, is the fact that, that life's tough, it's unfair, and you're going to suffer. That not everything's going to be easy. You're not going to be able to just push a button and make it happen. You're not going to be able to, to download an app and make everything well. In this world, there is suffering. And as a follower of Christ, we are going to suffer more if we are truly following him with all our heart. Not a great message. Uh, but there's more to the story. Jesus starts explaining what it means to be great. And see, that's what those guys wanted. They want to be great. We want to be, yeah. Verse 41. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus starts explaining what greatness is all about. And he talks about the Gentiles. That's us. Really, that's everybody. The Jews practice this same thing. You see, they, you want to have power. We, we try to assess power. And, and as we get more and more power, we try to make people do all the things we want them to do. And we think that's the way to, to greatness. That's why we have such battles going on in our country today. Everybody wants to assert their power. They're, they're, we're not looking anybody who really wants to be a, a servant to us. They're all looking to assert their power and to get their way and to, to, to... Jesus says, if you want greatness, that's not the way to get it. Jesus explains that... that if we're going to be great, we're going to be great ministers. And he says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. The one person who really 
should be ministered to, who should be lifted up, who, who we should be hearing and doing everything he said. He said he came here to minister, not to be ministered unto. So this morning, I want to have a heart-to-heart with every believer in this room and every one of you <laughs> that are watching online. If we're going to be great, uh, let's, let's just put aside the greatness. Let's just understand if we're going to be like Jesus, we must minister to others. You see, that's what we're called to do, to minister to others. So let me show you how we do that. Number one, if we're going to minister to others, we have to set aside our pride. Again, 42 to 45. But Jesus called them unto him and saith unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. That's how the world works. But so it shall not be among you, but whosoever will be among you shall be your minister. And whosoever will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That is very much opposite of everything our culture teaches us. What was McDonald's slogan for so long? You deserve a break today. Man, I had too many breaks at McDonald's and... Don't we just deserve everything? Isn't that what we're told all the time? Aren't we told all the time it's all about us? I have my rights. Okay. Do you? Do you? Do you realize we're programmed? We are just... It's like a wave crashing upon us all the time telling us we're super important, we're the ones, it's all got to be about us. And as we fall for those lies, people all around us suffer and hurt and families are destroyed because, hey, you know what, I just need to go be happy. I don't need to take care of my family anymore because that doesn't make me happy. I'm going to go be happy because don't I deserve to be happy? But what about your wife and kids? And, and, and what? I deserve to be happy. They'll be happy when I'm gone. Probably. Do you see how that's just coming in? And, and, and everywhere, I got to have my way. If I don't get my way, I'm not just going to pitch a fit. I'm going to make sure that you can't have your way either. I'll blow you up. I'll shoot you. I'll riot. Because I want my way. And I deserve to have my way because I'm always right. I don't care what spectrum of the political side you're on. That's the attitudes that we see today in our politics. And it's just a reflection of the fact that we don't understand what Jesus said. We have too much pride. We want to lift ourselves up. What's that saying? 
pride cometh before the fall? Isn't that was Lucifer's problem? He was all about the I wills. I will do this. I will do that. I will do this. His pride lifted him up. I will be like the most high. And see, we still fall for that junk. And as we do, our culture, those who are around us, suffer. We need, if we are going to, to minister, we have got to set aside our pride. And, and literally, we need to look at the example of Jesus. I'm going to read several scriptures here. Kind of sum up what Jesus, his example. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, right there just ought to be enough for us to figure it out, right? But we're like the disciples. We don't get it. So let me go to another passage. Philippians 2, starting verse 1. If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Sounds like unity, doesn't it? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Paul's talking to his, uh, the people here in Philippi, and he's telling them, hey, let's start thinking about taking care of others. Let's not, get, let's not do anything we can through strife or, or vainglory. Let's not do it the world's way. Then he says this, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, the creator of the universe, set aside any pride. Of course, he didn't have pride, did he? He's sinless, but he humbled himself, came to this earth as a man, born of a virgin in a really small country, in an insignificant little town, and he changed the world. Born in a poor family. He set those things aside. It says... But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. That word servant, you look up in the Greek and you'll find it means slave. Jesus became a slave for us. What an example. It's not about give me what's due me. It's what I can do for you. 
Colossians goes on. It says this, Colossians 1.13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. The one thing we don't see on that cross is the blood. The cross of Jesus, you can't see him out there. There's holes there. There'd be blood there. There'd be blood all along here where they had ripped him up after beating him. And there'd been blood down here where they had nailed his feet. The blood of Christ, which paid for the sins of mankind, of our sins, my sins, and your sins. What an incredible servant. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him, this is, who our, this is our Savior, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. We wouldn't even be here if he didn't keep us consisting. He made it all. It's all for his glory. Yeah, we have that pride. I have my rights. What do you mean? I'm right. You can't tell me I'm not right. I'll show you. <sighs> I'm starting to learn. I'm not got there. I'm starting to try to figure it out and starting to learn that being right all the time doesn't, isn't always going to accomplish what I want to accomplish. Sometimes being right will, will put me in a position where I make someone feel less of a person, make them feel unintelligent. You want to make, make an enemy, talk to somebody and make them feel stupid. They will be your enemy forever. It'll be real hard to win that brother back. But I was right. Do I have to be right? Can I just hold my tongue? get through that conversation and let God do the convicting. I might be better off sometimes. Might keep more harmony in my family. Might not, um, might not make so many people mad. Going on to talking about our, our Savior. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. He should be above everything, every thought. He should be the highest thing that we're looking at. He is above all things. He is preeminent. Sometimes we don't treat him that way. Colossians 1.19, for it pleased the Father that he should all uh, that in him should all fullness dwell, 
and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him. I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. What would Jesus do? He'd set aside the pride. You remember those bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? If we're going to be like Jesus, what did he do? He set aside his rights. He humbled himself. He didn't have to worry about pride, but we do. We need to set aside that pride. If we're going to be servants, we need to set aside our pride. Not only that, we also need to love others as we love ourselves. Mark 10, 43. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. We have to love others as we love ourselves. And that starts by loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Oh, man. John chapter 13 Verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And in talking to his disciples, he's talking to us. He's telling us over and over, we got to love one another. We got to take care of one another. We got to treat one another like we want to be treated. We forget that at times, don't we? Listen, I'm preaching to myself today more than anything. We get caught up in the doing of things and getting stuff done and, and, and building. And, and we forget. We say things. We do things. We grumble about things. We grumble about others. You wouldn't want them grumbling about you, but we do grumble about others. That's not loving. That's not loving at all. We are to love one another. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Romans 13, 8. Oh man, oh no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Galatians 5, 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Ephesians 4, 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. First Thessalonians three twelve, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. First Thessalonians four nine. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Hebrews ten twenty four. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 1 Peter 1.22, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, 
unto unfade love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. 1 Peter 3, 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. 1 John 3, 11, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. 1 John 3, 23, And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. 1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Um, I can get more verses. You say you believe the Bible? If you believe the Bible, it says over and over and over and over again, and we got to love one another. And I know that somebody will say, well, that doesn't mean i got to like them. I got you. <laughs> I got you. There's people that are regular in our lives. All our personalities don't quite mesh all the time. We got to get past that. We got to humble ourselves. We got to set aside that pride and we got to love one another. We have to treat one another like we would want to be treated. How else are we going to serve one another? You know, in this room right now, there are so many needs. Most people aren't going to tell you what they are because they're afraid. They're afraid of somebody who's unloving, who's going to gossip about them, who's going to go tell somebody else, who's going to, who's going to make fun of them. Isn't that, that shouldn't be. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We all have had our sin paid for on that cross. We have been given eternal life because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to nitpick and bully one another and try to, uh, to impose ourselves and our opinions and power on people instead of loving them like Jesus has told us to do over and over and over again. Shame on us. Shame on us. Why is there churches empty all over? It's not just COVID that's got them empty. They're closing. Every day, churches are closing. You see two or three things happening if you start studying these things that go on. The big churches are getting bigger because people can go there and hide and not be connected in. My son works at a bigger church, and they're always working on getting people plugged into smaller groups so that they can love them and, and minister to one another. But smaller churches are closing left and right. But then there's some other group that are actually growing, and there are really small groups of 10 or 12 people who are meeting in homes, and they're staying away from church because if they just keep in that little group there, they're okay. But some of them aren't doing the right thing either. They're just hanging out in their own little clique, and they're not moving ahead with the gospel. You should be able to come in here, and you should be feel some love. We need to be servants. We need to love one another. And it starts by loving our, our brothers and sisters. And then it's by loving everybody else. Matthew 5, 44 says this, But this I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. But I say unto you, 
which hear, love your enemies, do good unto them which hate you. Oh, that's Luke's version of it. Luke 6.35, but love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Matthew 5.43, you have heard it been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. No, he goes on to say you're to love your enemy. That was verse 44. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We are to love everyone, because who's your neighbor? Is it just that guy that lives next door to you? Or across the street? No, it's everyone. You see, we are to love God with all our hearts. And we are to love all the people around us. <laughs> that guy was younger. When I was in business, I saw a poster, and it said, do unto others first. Y'all get that? You do unto others before they have a chance to do unto you. That's the world's, that's it. I'll take care of them before they get a chance to take care of me. That, that, that's like the greatest defense is, great, is offense. Take them out before they can take you out. But that's back to the world's thinking. That's not what Jesus said. He just said, love your enemies. Love your neighbors. We're to love everyone else. All right, let me hold on. See, if we're going to be great servants, we've got to set aside our pride. We do that by following Jesus' example. We got to love one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and really all those around us. And third, we have to see the incredible needs around us. Mark 10 45, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark 6.34, we go back a little bit in our Mark study. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and he was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Jude 1.22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Sometimes I think we get tunnel vision. We get so wrapped up in our lives. We get so wrapped up in all the things going on around us and the th tasks that we have to, to accomplish and the things that we must do that we don't see what's happening around us. We don't see it. And, and we've got to start looking. You, we need to start by looking at the lost condition of our, our neighbors. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That neighbor you have, that person that you know that doesn't know Christ, they need him. They need to hear the message because they don't know what they're doing. They're running around like a sheep without a shepherd because they are a sheep without a shepherd. Well, you just ought to straighten out. They just got to straighten their life out. They can't straighten their life out. Could you straighten your life out? Seriously. 
I couldn't straighten my life out until I surrendered to follow Jesus Christ with all my heart. And I still hadn't straightened all my life out. And you haven't either. You need that compassion, that love of Jesus Christ. Look at their condition. Challenge you someday, come through here, come by here on a Friday. Just sit over here and watch the people that come through to get food. The need that's there. Or in the month we're going to the homeless coalition. They're only, we're going to serve there again. We've got we're only going to allow six people to be there to serve. The restrictions and stuff. But go there and look at these folks. Well, they ought to just clean up their act. Yep. Okay, I agree with you. Who's going to help them? Read in Bible, reading through Acts, and and um, talks about a, a, a guy from Ethiopia. He's going down the road and he's reading scripture. And um, Philip, the evangelist, he's a deacon. He came and he joined himself and asked him, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, how can I unless somebody show me? How can those people around you, your neighbors who are in a messed up, lost condition, ever know how, to, how that Jesus can help them through that and more than anything, save their souls and, and give them eternal life if you don't tell them? And how will they ever listen to you if you haven't practiced dropping some of that pride and loving on them? Maybe <laughs> Bible college. I, I was really not a great candidate for Bible college. I came out of uh, Miami in the 80s. I have friends who were major drug smugglers and then friends who were great cops who busted drug smugglers and one of them busted one of my friends busted another one of my friends and they knew each other because they wrestled together ESPN did a whole thing on them called kingpins amazing I went to Bible college I didn't know a whole lot and I meet all these brethren they were they would go out and witness and you know what how they what they would say when they came back from witnessing to people Man, I blew his mind. Why'd you blow his mind? You see, I didn't come to Christ to get my mind blown. I came to Christ because I realized I was a sinner, and, and, and you don't have to argue me. If you want to come argue with me, go away. I had a few of those people at Ed Gibson's church who wanted to argue me into heaven when I was in, in the barracks in Okinawa. You want to argue, I can, those days I was really a great argue. I'd argue you right on out, and if I didn't, I'd throw you out. <laughs> I don't have to go blow somebody's mind. I need to present the love of Jesus Christ. That's what saved me. Not my ability to, to um, practice incredible apologetics. No, it was the love of Jesus Christ, and that's what they need to hear. But they need to show it to them so you have some credibility. You know why some of these people will listen? Carol's out there praying with them every Friday. Isabel's putting together um, literature to give to these folks that come Friday and watch people in tears. Nobody's ever prayed for me before. Thank you for praying for me. Hey, I got my prayers answered. Thank you. You know why we have credibility? because we're doing something. Why is it I can walk into schools and be able to do some things? Because those teachers and the staff know that our church cares for them. We bring them cookies. We cook them breakfast. 
It won't be long we'll be cooking them lunch, Dennis, next month. They know. Why? Because we back up what we say with what we do. We need to look at that lost condition of these all around us. They're perishing. Yeah, I know they're messed up, but so are we. We need to look at the lost condition of our neighbors and the physical and emotional poverty of our neighbors. 1 John 3.17 says this, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dealeth the love of God in him? It's why we're giving out food. It's why we're giving out food. I didn't start, I didn't think that was going to be a major part of our ministry, giving out food. And by the way, I appreciate all you who bring stuff in. Keep it up. Right now, we got a pretty good load that came from the food bank, and it's and our partner there, uh, Matt, who, who really helps us out, going and getting food and hauling it back, and he even pack, prepackaged a whole bunch of stuff, and it was real easy this week. But we need to supplement it at times. And, and when you go to the store and you get the buy one, get ones, buy one, get one, and, and give keep one and give the other way. Our neighbors have physical needs. They're hurting. But more than that, they have emotional needs. The mental health in this nation is the worst it's ever been. And, and there are counsel, people in counseling. You know, that's one of the biggest majors right now in school is counseling. And some people are probably getting good counsel and some people aren't getting good counsel. But they're hurting and they don't know how to deal with things. And, 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 and this world is carried away. And you know what? We have an answer. We have a Savior. You know what? Our Savior, Jesus, he's the creator of the world. And, and this world only exists because he allows it to exist. And, and he came to this earth and he, and, and he died on a cross to pay for your sins. And, and, and he rose again to give eternal life. And, and listen, you know what your real, you know what the real root of our problem is? It's sin. And if you can have that sin forgiven, you can live free. That'll go a long way in starting to heal emotions. Because we live in a performance-driven world. And if you don't perform a certain way or a certain height and, and, and people get so frustrated because I can't be as good as I ought to be and I can't look as good as I ought to look and, and uh, man, I could bathe in oil of Olay and never get rid of the wrinkles that are coming. <clears throat> I could douse myself in Grecian formula. It'll look funny for a while, but the gray's coming back. Pastor Bales, I hope you're watching this. I still have hair. <laughs> he would enjoy that. The rest of y'all, jeans. My son, maybe he's watching this. He's probably watching his church. Yeah. His hairline seems to be going back a little bit. No. Jesus Christ. can help in ways that nothing else can. 
And we need to understand that people are hurting physically and they are hurting emotionally. And, you know, I'm, not, I'm really not the most compassionate guy. You know, my, my kids would get hurt. Yeah, I'll rub some dirt on it. You'll be all right. Walk it off. Don't come complaining to me. Go walk it off. Oh, that's just, that's not me. And until I back off and I start looking around trying to get the eyes of Jesus and, 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 and allow his compassion to flow through, and then I see the hurting. And, and, and folks, people are in deep poverty emotionally and physically and more, most of all spiritually all around us. Do we want to be great? Do we want to be a great church? Do we want to be great believers? Well, the motivation ought to not to be great. The motivation is we need to follow Jesus. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. we're going to be like Jesus we have to minister we have to put aside some of our pride and give our lives for many let's pray this morning father help us to be like you oh lord Jesus help us to be like you lord help us to uh, shut the world the devil's philosophies from help us to shove those things aside lord to look and to serve for your glory father may we earn the credibility to witness to others lord may we be so much like you that people want to know what is it that makes you different the only difference is that we have you and that we are following you with our hearts. Pray, Father, there's one here this morning that don't, doesn't know you as Savior, that they'd see their need. Lord, that the, the, they're in spiritual poverty and they don't have to be. You said whosoever, they can call on your name now. They can put their belief and faith in you and in the incredible gift you've given us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Lord, for those of us who know you, Father, may we not get so caught up in, in our everyday life and in the things that we are doing and the things that we are trying to accomplish that we have tunnel vision and we don't see those who are around us who are hurting. Help us to be servants. Lord, we know that the reward will be great here in this life and eternity to come. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.